Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Now that Kevin Durant, as we welcome you back to Burns and Gambo here, 5 o'clock hour on this Tuesday afternoon. Now that Kevin Durant is playing and the Suns are mostly whole, Landry Shamit is still the only one out. Suns basketball games have taken on that 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 level they established a year ago where basically every game is like an event, right? Like you're just, when's the next one? When's the next one? Can't wait for the next one. At least that's how I feel about it. I, I look at the schedule and I look, this week kind of makes me sad because there's only one game this week. And gets, yeah, but it's the home game and we get to see, and I, I heard them talking about it this morning, whether Vince Murata announces Devin Booker last or Kevin Durant last. Were they talking about that this morning? And Vinny don't know. That's he doesn't kind of, know. That's not up to him, is no, it? No, no. I'm, I'm, those Booker decisions are always introduced last, oh, right? Do you give Durant? Do you get? Look, Mitch, Mitch, Mitch oh, is rubbing a, his hands. That's a poll question. Do you just give Durant the one game? Like, does does Durant become the la- the last guy just for one game or permanently? I mean, this is Book's team. <laughs> I mean, is it a slap in the face if Booker's introduced fourth and uh, not fifth? Uh, okay. Can you just do it for one game? Sure, why not? I mean, sure, I guess you could, right, Mitch? You, what? My argument is is that they didn't change the order when Chris Paul joined the team, and I don't think they're going to change it now. Is Chris Paul Kevin Durant, though? No. No. I mean, it's a good argument. But, like, it was Chris Paul at the time they got Chris Paul. It's not Chris Paul right now. But Chris oh, Paul I, was coming to a team that was in the bubble and didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah, this is this is just this different. Is different. This They've is been just to the different. NBA Finals two years ago. They were up 2 nothing. They were in the playoffs last year with the best record in franchise history. It's different. Chris Paul it, came to a team that, you know, barely got into the bubble and finished, but didn't even make the playoffs. Didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah. It's not a bad comp, Mitch. It's just, it's just different. It, it's uh, it, Kevin Durant's just a. Uh, just to give him his one day. Like, the, fan, the fans will go nuts. The fans are going nuts either way, but I think you give Kevin Durant. And if I'm booked, I do it. I just go to like, hey, do do you can do that. I'm not. I'm okay. I'm a big boy. I'm fine. I'll be fine. But just for one game or every game? No, one game. Just the one game. One game. So one game, Kevin Durant gets to be introduced last, and then every time after that, yeah, is I'm Devin not going to disrespect Devin Booker. Everything he's meant to this organization, Devin Booker gets introduced last. He's your hometown <laughs> star. I'm sorry, I missed that it's conversation a, this morning. I, I I didn't realize they it was talked a good about conversation, that. But he said he didn't even know. He doesn't know. He don't. He doesn't know. Vinny will get handed the piece of paper and go. Oh, okay. So that's what we're doing. All right, he, so what do you what do you Josh think? Josh Kogi last. <laughs> Just introduce shock everybody. Do Durant first. Well, I, suppo- I think Durant's last tomorrow. I think he is too. What do you guys think? You both agree? Yeah, I think he has to be. You have to put. Who's got Durant their thumb last. up? Who's got their thumb up over there? Austin, our intern, has Austin? his thumbs up. All right, right. Well, as well. all right. Austin thinks he gets introduced Mitch, last. You, you're nodding your head. You're shaking your head. No slight to book, right? The There's argument no of the one time only, and this is the first home game he's playing in. I yeah, yeah you, I agree. Listen, yeah. you always want your star introduced last. You always want your star player introduced last, like Burns and Gambo. <laughs> <laughs> You, wait, okay, so you always want the star last. The star, you introduce so the star last. Luke Lipinski is the star, and yeah, Vince sure. Murata yeah. is the star. Yes, of course, Vinny's the star. Wow, how did I get away? But it's how did how, I get away? Italian guy named Vince Murata with being the only driver at the station mm. that'd be listed first. 
Because the star's name comes last. <laughs> the star of the show comes last. Right. So your former co-host, when he was here earlier, and you had your he was, show, he was, he, was star star, star, he was the star right? of the show. He was the star when of the show. When it was the Gambo and Ash mm. show, he yes. was the star of the show. Well, I think the rules changed about midway through. <laughs> you know, that way they, they started to introduce stars last. <laughs> you were just bending and confronting, taking the rules and just, and just yeah. shaping them however you want them to be, whatever it is that makes you the star. I don't know, man. I don't care. I'm just glad my name's on a marquee somewhere. I'm just, you I'm know, totally just having fun. I'm just, so, I'm just, I hope I'm people just don't think I'm like serious. Glad my name's there somehow, some way. Um, either way, whether it's first, last, second, fourth, fifth, uh, Kevin Durant's making his. And as I was saying, I'm, I'm just a little sad that there's only one game Monday through Friday this week, right? And it's just, it's just Wednesday against Oklahoma City. It, it, it feels like these games have become events. There was a story this morning on PHNX, and I've said it before. I will say it again. There's never been a better time to be a Suns fan in regards to the coverage of the Phoenix Suns. It's really top-notch stuff right now. There's great content being put out by our own Kellen Olsen, Dwayne Rankin, Dave King, uh, and Gerald Bourget over at PHNX Sports. Came out with a story today. Actually, it was yesterday. Five examples of Kevin Durant elevating the Suns' offense. Okay, like how it's happening. I'm going to skip to the last one because all the other ones are, are good. The last one was my favorite, and it was just simply this. Kevin Durant gets buckets. And Gerald writes, Durant has always had a good feel for when his team was going through a lull and needed an injection of scoring. And so far through three games of Kevin Durant, that is exactly what we've seen. We saw it against Charlotte in the fourth quarter. We saw it against Chicago at the end of the first quarter. And in the second half, Kevin Durant setting the tone. And, of course, we saw it Sunday in Dallas in particular. Ten straight points in the third quarter for KD after the Mavs opened up an eight-point lead. And then the jumper with 12 seconds, the two free throws at the end. Different than Chris Paul, right? Because Chris was, when, when you got Chris Paul, he's the best closer in the league. Nobody's better in the final five minutes than Chris Paul. He saves all of his energy. He can serves his energy. Kevin Durant is, whenever you need me, I'm going to start scoring points. First quarter, second, third, fourth. I'm capable of doing it. I'm one of the greatest scorers ever. Chris Paul was very much, the conversations with Chris were, who takes the shot at the end of the game? Is it Booker Paul? Because Paul was so good at conserving energy and then being that guy that could go get you big shots at the end of the game when you needed it. Mm -hmm. Durant's all game. It doesn't matter what quarter it is. If your team's in a, in a, in a lull and they're not playing well, he's going to take over and stop runs from the other team. Against Charlotte, the Hornets cut the Suns' lead to six with 10.44 to go in the game. Durant scored the next nine. Against Chicago, the Bulls turned an 11-point deficit at the end of the first quarter into a four-point halftime lead. KD scored seven of the Suns' first nine points to start the third quarter. Mm -hmm. And then Sunday in Dallas, he did a thing. The thing about Kevin Durant, and, and we're all... Look, we've all watched Kevin Durant, obviously, the last 15 years, but we haven't like watched him like we would a guy on our own team. He does not require a lot of shots. He does not take a lot of shots. Very efficient. He's extremely efficient. I was looking at his career numbers yesterday. He averages for his career about 18, 19 shots per game. That's that's hardly a far cry from some of the other stars in the league and how many times they shoot the basketball. He doesn't get a lot of touches. He doesn't need a lot of shots, and yet he's able to be so efficient offensively with what he does. He's kind of like a unicorn in that regard, right? He's very rare in his ability to do that. There's other stuff in here, too. 
about Durant standing in the corner and how the defender has to stay glued to him, how that's going to open things up for everybody else. Can't leave. Durant's ability to pass out of a double team, whether he's posting up or just out somewhere on the wing, the double team comes. He knows where to take the First ball. First half, they didn't double him against Dallas. Second half, they doubled him in the elbow and on, in the post. They would double him then. So that's when he got doubled. But you're right. His ability to pass out of that is tremendous. I mean, he's just a, it's a high basketball IQ player. Yeah. So you've got this extremely talented player who's just a smart basketball player, too. And that's why the efficiency is unreal. You know how efficient he is without having to take a whole lot of shots. Something Gerald wrote, and I really believe this to be true. Um, he wrote, the Suns need to do a better job of keeping DeAndre Ayton more engaged with touches throughout the game. It's going to be hard. It's hard. And he said it's hard to fault the process because you got Book and KD out there scoring at an unbelievably efficient high volume level. But if defenses are going to cling to Durant on the perimeter, everything should be wide, wide open for DeAndre Ayton or Chris Paul to run. He had a to tip it in the game. Dallas game. And it was. I think a lot of his baskets going to have to come like that. Man, it is going to be. It's I'm, you know for DA is probably glad he got his contract. It's when you play with with guard dominated players and KD's a forward but but he's almost like a guard. Yeah. You know when you play with ball dominant guys like that and you're and they're scorers and you're reliant on other people getting you the ball it's just We'll see how DeAndre Ayton's touches go these next few games. Yeah, we'll see and, how it's how he's affected by and, that. And I, I agree. I really agree with you. I, I just think it would be wise to keep DeAndre Ayton engaged by making sure every quarter you give him a touch or two, right? Like you, you run a two man game for him. You do a little pick and roll with him because I just think then in the fourth quarter when you're going to want those baskets, it was a little awkward Sunday against Dallas. They basically ignored DeAndre for the entire second and third quarter of that game. And then the fourth, when they went to him, it was forced. It was awkward. It was unnatural. And it felt like that. I think they need to give him those touches just one or two or three a quarter just to make sure he's still engaged with the flow in the game plan so that when the fourth quarter comes, he's there. He's where he needs to be. I know it's hard. It's hard. I think it's something they need to work at. Sure, and he's a good free throw shooter too. Oh yeah. So if you you know if you can get him the ball and he gets fouled, he's a he's a he's a good, for a big man. He's a good free throw shooter. When we come back, the popular pick for the Cardinals has become, in the mind of some, the boring pick for the Cardinals in the latest batch of mock drafts. Is there anything boring about who the Cardinals could take at number three? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back here on the Burns and Gambo show on this Tuesday afternoon. Um, bunch of mock drafts today. We've been talking about it all day long. Uh, the combine's over, and I think everybody decided today was the day to redo their mock drafts. I- I'm going to read one in particular from Todd McShay today. It's always kind of a big deal when McShay comes out with one. And there was a line in his that really, that really stood out to me. It made me laugh when I read it. He's got Will Anderson going to the Cardinals at number three. It's the very common pick for the Cardinals. Sure. He writes, Arizona fans might be bored with arguably the most common 2023 mock draft match by now, but they won't be complaining if Anderson lands with the Cardinals and goes to work off the edge. Then runs through the numbers. Talks about the work that he did at the Combine, writing, I was just impressed that he worked out at the Combine at all. Scouts love when a top prospect comes out and does all the on-field work, even if he has nothing left to prove. That's right, they do. But my eyes kept going back to bored. Are we bored with mock drafts that have Will Anderson going to the Cardinals? 
I think anything at the top of the draft, people want to see risky picks and because it becomes very – and trades. You want to see trades. When you pick in 15, somebody just really wants to get – you know, wants, wants to know who you, who you think that, that, that this team's going to take with that pick. Because there's not going to be a very like unlikely going to be a trade there unless it's a team that's trying to move up for a quarterback. So I do think in the beginning, you know, the first five or six picks, it's always intriguing because of the quarterbacks. You know, is who's is somebody going to trade up to that pick? Uh, and I think a lot of people are projecting the Cardinals are going to stay where they're at. The quarterbacks will go one two because Chicago will trade, and then the Cardinals will end up with Will Anderson. And now it's not even a debate Will Anderson or Jalen Carter anymore. It's unfortunate Carter took himself out of that debate. It's just Will Anderson or or I think Buck. Some people like the Texas Tech kid as an option, um, but I, you know, it, and maybe you can't go wrong with either one. But there does come a point where you, you, so you can't go wrong if you get Jalen Carter or Will Anderson or Wilson. Like, no, yes, you can. Like, it's you a, can you yeah. can go wrong. Like, so one of those guys is going to be a better player than the other one. Yeah, I, and I, hearing you talk, it got me thinking. Draft is on April 26th, April 27th, somewhere around there. Is there anything Jalen Carter can do to reestablish himself in the position that he was in before a week ago? Is there any, there's a long time between now and the draft. I think draft. a lot of damage has been done. Like once that's out of the bag, I think, I mean, it's up to an individual team. They got to feel really confident that this kid is. You, you know, you you brought up something last week when I was in it. He had got he got cited for driving eighty nine and a forty five. Yeah, in like September last year. Yeah. Right, and then I said to you, like usually, usually, like when people you know get, get caught speeding like that. You, the next, you, next few months, is you slow down. Like you, you're, look, you're conscious. You're aware of it. Mm-hmm. If he's not, if he doesn't care, it's something to be concerned about. Yeah, I, I, I think that there's enough time between now and the draft that Jalen Carter could do something to rehab his image. Now, is it enough to be back in the conversation for the Cardinals at three? That might be a tough ask. That that might be too much to ask in this situation. But I think because there's so much time and because he's got the chance to meet with these teams and to try to clear his name legally, it's going to be hard with the evidence stacked against him, but we don't want to presume that he's guilty here. I, I, I just, like if the draft were next week, I would say no. Jalen Carter's screwed. He's going to end up falling five spots, ten spots, however many spots. But because the draft is so far away, maybe he's got the chance to get back into the conversation. I'm not bored with Will Anderson at all. In fact, I think I was just looking at the Cardinals draft history. They... I mean, they've had early picks recently, right? They had the eighth pick when they took Simmons. They had the first pick when they took Kyler Murray. But even when they're drafting at like 10 for Josh Rosen or 16 for Zayvon they moved, Collins. They moved up for Rosen. Yeah. yeah, they moved up for Rosen. There's When you're picking third, like, yeah, you're going to get Will Anderson mocked to you a bunch. There aren't that many things that can happen in front of you that are different, and right? It's a position of need for you, a desperate position desperate, of need yeah, based on no J.J. Watt. Zach Allen's a free agent, and you're, you didn't pressure the quarterback. You didn't sack the quarterback very much. You know how we always like to make fun of these mocks for being so wrong? Usually, even the best mock drafters will, six or seven. will only get six or seven right. Yeah, the best. I bet Will Anderson to the Cardinals at number three is the one that they almost all get right. As long as Will Anderson doesn't go one or two, I think Will Anderson to the Cardinals in some ways is the easiest mock on the board because... I'll just do a Gambo one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Gambo five. Just do a Gambo one. I don't think you need to do the Gambo five this year. 
I don't. I don't think it's necessary no, this no. year. I don't think so either. Yeah, I, it, it, I just. I think it's that is going to be one of those ones that I think everybody gets right in the mock draft because it's just so. It's so damn easy. He's an edge rusher. He's from Alabama. He's had an incredible career. He's a good kid. He's got a hard working motor. He everything about the kid just he worked oozes out at the combine. Impressive, right? Like you said, yeah. I I think the well look. I don't know about the only scenario. If he goes one or two, then the Cardinals are going to have to do something different. But if Will Anderson's there at three, it'll be fascinating to see if the Cardinals just stay put and take the best player or if they entertain offers to move down and not take Will Anderson. How good is Will Anderson going to be to prevent them from trading down. Look, we don't know a whole lot about Monty Austin Fortress yet. Okay, we will over time, right? Patterns and stuff and trends and trades and things like that. You know, we knew Steve Kahn was really good at trades and not very good at drafting, right? You'll develop patterns. We'll get a better idea, Monty. This first one's important. Like, the the risk level is not very high in taking Risk Anderson. There's not much much risk there. You're probably going to get that right. If you trade that pick and you trade down to 7, 8, and 9, the player you're drafting at that pick is going to be much higher of a risk than Will Anderson. Now, you'll get other picks and stuff and maybe you hit on those, but I'm saying like if you want to play it safe, and I'm not saying you do this to play it safe. I'm just saying it, it, it may not only be the right pick, it is the safe pick. Nobody's going to fault you for drafting Will Anderson number three. Some may fault you for passing on Will Anderson oh, yeah. to go to go get other draft picks if you decided to go that route. Yeah. Now, if Will Anderson's gone, then it makes it easier, right? If Anderson's gone, then it makes it, unless you want to go with the Texas Tech kid, you know, Wilson, you, you, it's it's a lot easier to trade if, if the Bears took Anderson number one and you traded if, number three. If Anderson's gone at one or two, the Cardinals will trade out. I, I would that's a car payment bet. That's a mortgage payment bet that they would trade out at number three. If he doesn't go one or two, then things get interesting. The two mocks that we were gonna talk about here, number one, McShay's mock had a whole bunch of trades in the top five. They had the Bears moving down from one with the Colts, then the Bears trading down again to number seven with the Vegas Raiders. Another mock draft from Dane Brugler over at the Athletic had the Colts trading up from four with Chicago to number one, and then the Bears trading down again to number nine with Ooh. Carolina. So one to four, four to nine, one to four, just four loading to nine. up on picks, okay? Yep. Or one to four, four to seven. That seems to be the common theme for Chicago, a team that will not only move once, perhaps now. If Jalen Carter had not run afoul with the law, maybe the Bears just stay put at number four and take Jalen Carter. But because Carter's got his problems, maybe that's what makes the Bears look for two trades, potentially. Because if they just traded down to four, they could have just taken Jalen Carter and be done with it. Maybe that's what's got them thinking. A lot about of money two. to be saved, too, if you move down from one to nine. Signing no bonuses, contract, cap space. Text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. The Suns are 3-0 and in the Kevin Durant era. But in terms of elite defenses, they really haven't played any yet. How will they fare against a Really good defensive basketball team. We'll talk about that coming up. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. So if you were to look at it this way from the Suns' perspective and what they've done so far. Okay. Three teams, they're 3-0. The Hornets had the 22nd ranked defense in the NBA. 
The Mavericks had the 24th ranked defense in the NBA. The Bulls had the 7th ranked defense when the Suns played them. Okay, and, and I think K Ray was talking yesterday about how the Bulls, since like January 1st, have had one of the best defensive rankings in the NBA. Maybe even the best defense in the NBA since the since the calendar flipped to 2023. But I don't think anyone's looking at the Bulls and thinking that's an elite. It's certainly not an elite team, and I don't even know if anyone's thinking that's an elite defense. How the league adjusts, how other teams adjust to the Suns yeah. and Kevin Durant is going to be a real big focus for everybody to try to figure out moving yeah, forward. Yeah, the, the teams that could put pressure on Durant. Okay, like Dallas had Josh Green. He was covering Josh Green. Right? He didn't have to cover Luke or a Kyrie. He covered Josh Green. He could just rest in the corner. The team that would create the most problems for Kevin Durant is just clearly Milwaukee because they could put Giannis on him. Um, and then, you know, Middleton can guard him too. And then Holiday is elite defensively guarding Booker. And Holiday attacks Booker offensively. You got to work. And then they've got a pick and pop five and Bobby Portis. So Milwaukee's a problem because they've got somebody that can guard him. Uh, and they've got somebody that can guard Book. And they've got somebody that can guard Paul. So they have that. The teams that have, we, we talked about this last week, the teams that have those defensive players, that's the teams that you look for. Now, Chicago's a, a decent team, but I'm not looking at Chicago like I am Milwaukee. Or the Clippers, as far as the length and defensively, and the wing players they have, and it looks—I mean, even if you, in that Dallas game, when Landale came in, they, the Mavs scored every time they had the ball. Mm-hmm. They, the Sun, Monty put KD at the five for a little while. Mm-hmm. Put KD at the five. You know, and so you may see that in the playoffs. If certain guys get exposed on your bench, KD may have to play some five. But it is matchups. Schedule, like I said last week, schedules matter, matchups matter. How could it not be great? You know, it is going to be great. You know, but you're not going to win every single game. And there are a team there. Listen, there's not a lot. There's two or three teams that could beat that. that are, the Suns are not unbeatable, okay? There are two or three teams that could beat the Suns. But there's not more than that. That's the thing. There are a couple of teams, two, maybe three, that can beat them. But ever since they got Kevin Durant, it's and, and that will ultimately determine like if they win a championship, they might have to go through two of those teams that are capable of beating I them. I want to see more games like Sunday against the Mavs. And, and I don't even think the Mavs are you know, no, they're terrible defensively. An elite team because no. they are terrible defensively. And they were great last year. I, I, w- I want to see the Suns against the Nuggets. I, I want to. I mean, yes. look, I want to see the Suns. I, I think a week from today. I think it's a week from today. You and I are at um, at Footprint Center for the Suns and the Bucks. Okay, now bring that. Bring it. Let, let's. I know it's just a regular season game, and I know they just played a week ago. But without that was, Giannis, without Buck, yeah, without Giannis, without KD. KD didn't play in that game either. And, and so, I want to see those two teams full strength. And let's see. Let, let that will be the best gauge. The Denver right, games without, will be the best gauge without yeah, KD and up. Uh huh. Yeah. It's those games will be <laughs> the the measuring stick because you're right. Defensively, the Dallas Mavericks. They're not. You mentioned it earlier in the show. The the defensive strategies. The Mavs used to shut the Suns down in the playoffs. Last year, they trapped Book. Rendered useless now with Kevin Durant. Completely useless. They trapped Book and they said, go ahead, Chris Paul's not a catch-and-shoot guy. You know, once you, you know, once you start, you know, trapping, then, you know, you you go into a rotation. 
defensively and guys get open looks. You move the ball around, you swing it around, you find an open shooter. They were okay with Jay Crowder taking a shot. They were okay with, with Mikhail taking a shot. They were okay with Chris Paul taking a shot. Now, with Cam Johnson on the floor, they didn't trap Book. They wouldn't trap Book with Cam Johnson on the floor because Cam's a catch-and-shoot guy. The rotation doesn't get over in time. Cam Johnson gets an open look. They played KD straight up in the first half. And the second half is when you make adjustments. You know, you don't make a lot of adjustments in the first half because you want to see how the team plays. KD may come out and miss his first six shots. and Oh, he's off tonight. I don't have to trap him. I don't have to double him. He's not having a good night. It's not his night. So you always play teams straight up more so in the first half. In the second half, you make your adjustments. In the second half, they trapped KD, but only at the elbow and in the post. That's when they trapped him, tried to get the ball out of his hand. Because you know, because he got off to a good start, they decided to make those adjustments. But they didn't trap Book at all in this game. Where last year they trapped Book all the time because you don't want to give KD open looks. Yeah, Book gets trapped. You pass it. You swing it around. KD gets an open look. They're not going to take the chance of doing that. I suspect that most teams. And first of all, let's we're talking about this like the Suns are never going to lose. They'll, they'll lose. Okay, they'll they will lose a Bite game. Your yeah, no, they will. They'll they'll, they'll lose um, somewhere along the line lose a game, probably one that they're not even supposed to lose. They'll lose because that's the NBA. Stuff like that happens. They're not unbeatable. They're not unstoppable. I suspect though that when defending the Phoenix Suns, the guy who's going to get the open looks is Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul's going to get a lot of open looks. Uh, in this, like I think Aiton is too, but I think in terms of leaving shooters open, I, I was listening to Jay Williams on Wolf and Luke when I was driving in, and he said, if I were defending the Suns, I'm going to make Chris Paul beat me. I'm going to make Chris Paul have to shoot to beat me. Well, that's what they did last year, the Mavs. Yeah. Let Chris, they trap book, and they they swung it to Paul, and he's not a catch-and-shoot guy. So he wasn't well, shooting the three. But this year, he's 50% on catch-and-shoot threes. Like this year, because he's kind of, they've been not preparing for Kevin Durant, but they've been preparing for Paul to be more of an off-ball guard this year. He's had to do go, Yeah, go look at his numbers, catch-and-shoot threes. He's like 50% so far this year. So well, they, they dared him to take that shot last year. Dared him. Yeah. And, and he, they had more length. They were be- they had Dinwiddie, smart defensive player. They had Dorian Finney-Smith, long Brunson, very underrated. Yes. This year they don't have like they don't have those guys. Maxi Kleber's out. Maxi's the key to their defense, and he's been out. So they're not the same. They're not the same team. Besides, at this point, I don't even know if the Suns are going to see the Mavs in the postseason. The, the Mavs, if they come out of the play-in tournament, the, the Suns might not even see them when it's all said and done. It's 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 going to be a chess match all year long. But there's well, no what doubt. What if they get? What if the Mavs come out as the seven seed? Suns would have to and be you get two. to. You'd have to be then. If you pass Memphis and Sacramento. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I'm not saying it's impossible. It just seems that if the Mavs are in the play-in tournament, the Suns would have to get up to number two. They can, but that's going to take, that's going to take a complete collapse by the Memphis Grizzlies, which could happen. And you'd really have to go get the Sacramento Kings. Like, you'd have to beat them both times, and then the Kings would have to, you know, the schedule's really tough. Schedule's tough. And all, you have to do is finish, all you have to do is finish tied with them. You have the tiebreaker over them. I think the Suns will end up three. I don't know that. I just think they'll end up three. And as such, they'll play the sixth seed. And maybe the Mavs become the sixth seed, in which case they could meet. I mean, look, you look, you look at the standings the same way I do. Sure. Five through 11, five through 12 in the Western Conference, they're all separated by about a game. Right? Like, it could be anybody in any spot at this point. There's no guarantees of anybody you could be playing if you're the Suns. The, the team I would fear, the team I would just probably want to avoid the most is the Clippers. Clippers are And I know the Westbrook thing, I get it, I get it. But, like, 
that that team could give them issues with their with their length. They could. You talk about defensively matching yeah. up. That's yeah. mm-hmm. that's a team that yeah could potentially give them matchup problems. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the NFL drafts stock market. Who's rising? Who's falling? What does the S&P index have to say? We'll tell you next on the Burns and Gambo show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? All right, the games that we are going to watch this evening. We've got Coyotes hockey there in action tonight. They're taking on the Blues at 7 o'clock. We've got bonus Burns and Gamble. We're on until 6.30 because we've got Coyotes coverage coming up at 6.30 and then the game at 7 o'clock. You had Armstrong on last week, right, Friday? How do you feel about his trades? Um, he, I, I very delicately asked him how it felt to get grades as bad as he did for the Ooh. trades. And he said, you know what? I get it. He goes, there are some people out there who felt like we had to get two first round picks for Chikrin and we just had a different philosophy. We they they felt the potential we, of a number six pick was greater than two. Yep. We we just wanted a better first round pick rather than two first round picks that were in the late twenties. Right. And and so that was he goes, I get it. Not everyone's gonna like our approach to that. Not everyone's gonna think we had the right approach to it, but that was my approach. If you know if I can get the seventh pick, the sixth pick, the eighth pick, that has more value than a then pick two in the picks in the twenties. Yep. Right. Yeah. So that was the big I mean Big question I had for him, and I'd love to get into it with greater detail with him, is all of the contracts they took on for players who aren't playing. Yeah, right. Just to get yeah. to, and he, you know, he talked about the salary cap floor and the minimum that you have to have. But I, I think I read, and I hope I'm not misquoting this, some crazy stat like. Fifty-seven percent of the payroll for the Coyotes is for guys who are going to play for him this year because of Patrick Kane and some of the other guys they took on. Well, they and took the- on twenty-five percent of Kane's salary. Yeah, yeah, but that's you know that's a terrible way that the NHL has allowed that to happen. But it allows them because there is a floor. There's a certain amount of money you've got to have on your books, and they're able to do that with guys like that. Chikrin had a good game. Seki, he's played three games um, with. Ottawa, they're two and one, and he had a, the middle game against Columbus. He had a goal and an assist, so he had a goal and an assist in his second game. They beat Columbus five two, so they're two and one. I think you know you just keep your eye on that because you look at the standings. What you're hoping for is you're hoping that Ottawa doesn't make the playoffs, and then that pick that Armstrong got will be a will be a better pick. Now, when I look at the wild card standings right now, they are three points out of a playoff spot. Just three behind the Penguins and four behind the Islanders for the two wild card spots. All right. And then in college basketball tonight, if you're so inclined, what do we got? The championship game of the West Coast Conference, which should be a really good game between ninth ranked Gonzaga and 16th ranked St. Mary's. Timmy's about five points away, I believe, from breaking the all time Gonzaga scoring record. One of the great college players for Gonzaga, Drew Timmy's about five points away. And it looks like it's on ESPN Plus and ESPNU. Starts at 6.30 tonight. The NAU Lumberjacks taking on Montana. In the Big Sky Semifinals. The fi- oh, the semifinals. The, the semifinals, yeah. 
NAU upset the number one seed in the Big Sky, Eastern Washington. They advanced to the semis. NAU is 11 and 22 this year with a 5 and 13 conference record. Wow. And yet they're one win away from playing for their chance to go to the March Madness. That's fantastic. They'll never get there. They're not going to get there. But man, might have to keep an eye on that game tonight as a lumberjack. They'll probably lose by 30, but you know. I'll keep oh, anyway. Where's the faith? I got no faith in that. I, I, I. I couldn't have even told you before we had this conversation what NAU's record was this year. I haven't been paying attention to NAU basketball. No. No, I'm not. I don't even know who the coach is. No. <laughs> is, that, is that wrong? No, it's not Does wrong. that make me it's a bad wrong. alum? I, I, I couldn't Shane even. Shane Berker. Okay. Is the uh, men's basketball coach for Northern Arizona. If you say mm, so. Nice. I, I I don't know. I, I haven't paid that kind of attention to them in a long time. I apologize. All right. Well, you that. got them on tonight. Maybe you'll watch them. Yeah, maybe I will watch them. See if your alma mater can get it done. See what they're going to do. See what they're going to do. The... Um, Boy, there's just been so much NFL draft content today. It's been hard to kind of wrap your brain around all of it because there's just been so much out there. Um, the, the draft is still a month and a half away, but I think because we're coming off the combine now, people are starting to re, kind of reset their boards a little bit. These draft experts are kind of starting to kind of move some guys around and move bodies around. The Richardson thing fascinates me. Yeah, it's... I'm fascinated by Richardson. Because he's... He blew away... I mean, he blew away the... He's a combine guy. He's a combine guy. He's a combine guy. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was Calvisi, who was filling in free on Friday, and he brought up what I thought was a really good point about Josh Allen, about how Josh Allen was kind of a combine guy, too. Josh Allen was kind of a freak guy, like, oh, my God, look at him run, look at him throw, look how strong the arm is. And because it worked for Buffalo, our team's more inclined to take a chance on a combine guy like Anthony Richard, like a physical freak like Anthony Richard, even though he completed stats like 56% of his passes, right? That's don't bat 53%. 53? 53. Jeez. Of his passes. Um, you know, he just, he'd play really good one game and it really, a lot of people compare him to Cam Newton, but Cam took a team to a national championship and is saying, look, Richardson's quicker than Cam. He's more, more of an agile runner. He's not going to be bowling over linebackers in short uh, yardage situations. Um, but like Cam won a national championship, mm-hmm. Cam Newton. And it was a risk for the Panthers to take him. A lot of people that year that Cam came out, Cam was seen as a very risky pick in that quarterback class. People that 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 uh, that didn't like Cam, you know, they liked Jake Locker better. They liked Blaine Gabbert better. They liked Christian Ponder better. They were seen as safe. Oh, it's a safe pick. It's a safe pick. Well, Cam was better than all of them. Jake, I loved Jake Locker in college. Loved Jake Locker at Washington. He didn't do anything in the NBA, in the uh, NFL. Ponder was terrible. Gabbert was stuff terrible. Like uh, Cam ended up being the best out of the group. So there is some comparisons between Richardson and Cam Newton. Well, Richardson, I think you were gone when we played this. You might have been here. Had that moxie statement last week in which he said, I'm basically a combination of Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson. Did you, were you here for that no, day? No. Yeah, at the combine, he said, "I'm I'm basically a combo of Cam Newton and and Mark Jackson." So he's got the he's got the moxie to back it up. I mean, look, he and his he blew his stats. He shattered quarterback records at the NFL Combine for athleticism. He scored a 99 on athleticism. That's the highest ever for a quarterback. His 40 yard dash, second best. Broad jump, number one. Vertical jump, number one. That's the comp the quarter for the quarterbacks. He has since 2000. 
2003, so we're going back almost 20 years, he's got the first vertical jump of all quarterbacks in the combine, the first broad jump, and the second 40-yard dash time. He ran a 4-4-40. I know, but what does that mean? I don't know. It's, you know, it's, like, gonna, like, it's impressive. I'm, I'm not trying to diminish it. It's impressive. But what does that mean? Can he read a defense? Can he learn a scheme? Can he can he identify the Mike linebacker and can he adjust a play? Can he get all of that stuff, right? That, okay. That he, matters more. He runs fast, he jumps high. I, I don't want to sit here and say so what, but there's part of me that says, Well, so what? Well, you then know? you convert him to tight end. <laughs> Doesn't okay. work Logan out, hey. Thomas. <laughs> uh, Anthony, you ever played tight ends? Yeah. But but then the Josh Allen thing, and Josh Allen did all of those things, and he's turned out to be an amazing quarterback in the National Football League. So I, I don't I, I don't know what it's going to mean for Anthony Richardson. All I know is this: is that if the Cardinals are so inclined to trade out of number three, whether Will Anderson is there or not. If the Cardinals are so inclined to trade out a number three, the more quarterbacks that more teams are interested in, the better for the Cardinals. And that's just a fact. Like, we went into the Combine thinking, hey, Will Levis, have yourself a day at the Combine. Blow everybody away. Anthony Richardson, blow everybody away. Knock yourself out. Because the more quarterbacks that present themselves as guys that teams have to have, especially when the dust settles on free agency and Rodgers goes somewhere and Lamar Jackson goes somewhere and Derek Carr goes to the Saints, when all of that settles, there are going to be teams that need quarterbacks. And if these quarterbacks shine and show at the combine and during the pre-draft workouts, the Cardinals will have choices and options and opportunities. And so it's all great for the Cardinals if Anthony Richardson gets some pre-draft buzz. Just gives them more suitors it's to deal with. It's almost a shame they didn't need a quarterback this year because they like people like this quarterback class. They like it. C.J. Stroud, they, they like the quarterback class. And if this would be a good year, if you needed a quarterback and you were picking third to go get one, obviously they're not going to because of the investment they have in Kyle Murray. Um, but whoever they could have taken third, if that guy ends up being a better quarterback, then Kyler will probably compare it down the road. Yeah. A story, too, that I didn't read today, but I, I glanced at. I didn't send it in my email, and maybe we can talk about this the further we get along, is kind of the Brock Purdy effect. And how, I mean, here's this Mr. Irrelevant seventh-round pick, and yet the 49ers... It's so rare. I, it is. It's just so rare. But so, too, in some ways, is a physical freak like Anthony Richardson becoming a great NFL quarterback, right? Like, it's just because he runs fast and jumps high doesn't mean he's going to be great. Will more teams be inclined to try to find their own Brock Purdy in the draft? It's really rare. I mean, it, it doesn't happen very often. But at least one story I read today suggested that maybe other teams... Teams will try to mimic that to hey, a listen, certain extent. I don't, I don't want to knock the kid because he, he was great, but tap the brakes a little bit on Brock Purdy. He's only done it for such a short amount of time. Like he didn't, you know, he didn't have any. Like you go look at the games he played; they were all like home or West Coast outside of the one playoff game that he got hurt in with Philly. I mean, I think you have to tap the brakes. Everybody's so excited. Brock, what did Brock Purdy do? Like what did he do? Like he kept him afloat. He won some games. He may be good, but he may not be. I'm not. I just look at the teams he played. Look at where the games were, mm-hmm. and they had a great defense, a good running game, good mm-hmm. skill. He may end up being a good quarterback, but I don't think we could sit there and you know, use him as an example like, oh, team should go get the next Brock Purdy. He, he got a long way to go before we start saying that. Uh, so this article from McShay, he, without doing a mock, he did a mock draft today too, but just looking at players and ranking players, his top 32 prospects for the draft, he's got Bryce Young number one, 
And I shouldn't be surprised by that because he performed so well in college. He is a slight kid. You know, he's he is. He, he's five. 10 barely. He's 204 pounds and probably put on that weight so he could step on a scale at the combine and say he was heavier than 200 pounds. I think his playing weight is closer to like 194. Now, he's an extremely smart quarterback. And, and while he's not as fast as Kyler Murray, his ability to get the ball out and find a receiver, you would think would prevent him from taking the kind of hits that could really damage him. But still, at that size and that weight, Eight. If and he, that, there's not the scrutiny on him that there was with Kyler no, with the size. And, and it kind of surprised. I think I think because he had all the success. What twenty three and four at Alabama, right? And the championships and, and everything that Bryce Young did. I, I think because he had that, he didn't have the scrutiny. But I'll tell you something else. He doesn't have that Kyler does. Speed. Bryce Young's not a burner. No. He's, but he's, but he's, he's elusive, but he's not a burner like Kyler is. And, and usually when you take a quarterback with the, the kind of size issue, you want to know the guy can run, like really, really run. Yeah, that's not really Bryce Young's game. What was his 40 time? Do you he didn't run it. He didn't run it? He didn't run it. Nope. Didn't run it. Oh, wow. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't run the 40. Uh, I imagine he will for his pro day. I think he'll put up an okay number. He's not going to put up a Kyler Murray kind of number. Hmm. He's not going to run a 4-3. I don't think. But because he processes things so well, he doesn't have to be a burner as much. Well, then maybe that's a good thing that he's not so fast maybe. where he has to run. Maybe it's a maybe. good thing that'll be but, because you want the guy to be more in the pocket. Yeah, but he takes a hit. I'd be, look, there's a thought that maybe C.J. Stroud will pass Bryce Young. I love C.J. Stroud just because he's bigger. More built like an NFL quarterback, mm-hmm. and the way he played in that last game, it he was, was like, so good. Oh, look at this guy! You right? can play. You can play in that. Yeah, that playoff game. Absolutely. I mean, they're a good. They're a good. You know, they're intriguing guys in this draft. You know, Richardson being you know being one of them. But I think overall, I think. I think it's pretty obvious the first two guys are going to be Young and Stroud. I don't think there's any chance that Levis or Richardson pass either one of those. I tend to think you're right. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, as it turns out, there is at least one team other than the Baltimore Ravens with interest in Lamar Jackson. Oh, we'll tell you who that is next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. A whole bunch of NFL news coming down today. I mean, a whole bunch. And a lot of it is quarterback related. Daniel Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson. Uh, We'll start with the Lamar Jackson news, but I want to make sure we pay attention to the other two as well. Today was the deadline for franchise tags to be handed out. And Lamar Jackson did indeed get his franchise tag from the Ravens. It was not the exclusive franchise tag, the one that prevents him from talking to anybody and not the one that pays him $45 million next year. It was the non-exclusive, which means somebody could sign him to an offer sheet and then the Ravens would have to decide match that offer sheet or take two first round draft picks in exchange for Lamar Jackson. And almost immediately after this decision was announced by the Ravens to, to tag Lamar Jackson, a whole bunch of NFL insiders started reporting this team's not interested this team's not interested that team's not interested like it and it was it was 
overwhelming like how many teams were listed the falcons the dolphins the panthers the commanders the raiders well diana yeah, why 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 all of a sudden no 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 these teams don't don't want him okay I, the only thing i can think of well i can think of two things number 1 the fear that he's going to get hurt. Yes. Right? Because of the style of football he plays. Especially if you give him $200 million. Uh, especially if you give him $200 million. Um, and number two, the belief that Lamar Jackson is looking for a Deshaun Watson contract. And teams, whether it's collusion or not, teams are like, yeah, no, dude, we're not doing that. We're, but think we're, about we're, it this way. Baltimore must know that nobody's going after him. Because if they had a feeling that they were, if they, if they, if they like him and they had a feeling they were going to lose him... You would have just given the franchise tag. $15 million more. You don't have to worry about the, ex- thing. the exclusive tag. The exclusive tag. The exclusive tag, yeah. It's like $13 million more. Yes, 13, $13 million yeah. more, and you don't have to worry about anything. You're not going to lose them. So they must know that nobody's going after him. Sure. It's, it, it's, in some ways, it's so similar to the Suns and DeAndre Ayton. Hey, in some ways, yeah. We're, we're not going to let you dictate terms to us. We're going to let the marketplace dictate how much you're worth. And then we'll take 90 seconds to decide whether to match the offer or not, which is what the Suns did. Now, there is one team per Diana Rossini, according to ESPN.com. Oh, okay. The AFC or NFC? AFC. AFC team. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm thinking. I'm think, thinking. Think. Colts? Think. Nope. It's Colts. I'll give you one more guess. It's not going to be the Texans. Nope. They do need a quarterback, though. This team. They need a quarterback. Miami, New England, the Jets, Buffalo, no. Pittsburgh? Nope. Cincinnati, the- Cleveland. You're going to kick yourself. Oh, go ahead. Who is it? The Vegas Raiders. Oh, yeah. Okay. Have not eliminated any quarterback options, including Lamar Jackson. I didn't get down to the West yet. I was trying to go. Can you imagine if Lamar Jackson joins the West? Lamar, <laughs> Ross. Did you, see, did you see when Derek Herbert Carr went to the Mahomes. Saints? Did you see the quarterbacks that Derek Carr traded basically when joining the NFC South. Oh my God, it's ter- there's no good. He's the best quarterback in that division. Yeah, compared to being right. the worst quarterback in the last He's or the, the best second quarterback worst. in yeah. that division. He right went now. from the best to the worst, like that, right? Um, yeah, according to Rossini, the Raiders have not eliminated any quarterback options, and that includes Lamar Jackson. Now, would they give him? Now, we don't even know for sure that Lamar wants a fully guaranteed contract, but that's been the belief in the industry for the last year. That as soon as Deshaun Watson got that that guaranteed deal, Lamar Jackson's like. Yep, uh-huh. I but want one of those, too. There's been other quarterback deals. Nobody else has gotten that. I know. Now, if anybody gets it, it would probably be Burrow. I would agree. But I don't think any... Like Lamar Jackson's not getting a fully guaranteed contract. Now, he's got $32 million bucks this year. He could have had 130 or 140 guaranteed with what the Ravens offered him that he turned down. So, like, it's a risky game. You know, it's definitely a risky game. I mean, it's... You know, I he's he's his own agent. I think another agent would have locked him into a deal, get the security, get the injury security, all of that stuff. He's not doing that. I tend to agree. Uh, the other quarterback news of the day, uh, Daniel Jones. For, which one did you want? I was going to say the plane landed. I got my uh, my group text. The Jets private team play airplane has landed in California. They're visiting with Aaron Rodgers as we speak. It's a lock. Mm. I wanted car, but this is the quickest fix. Just going to cost us picks. Jets receive yeah. permission from the Packers to talk to Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, your buddies in New York are oh, telling they're you that about the, pl- the plane's landed. Do you, do, you plane. know, do you know what the Packers cap hit is if they don't have Rodgers on their roster this year? 
50? 40. It's $40 million. The Packers would get hit with a $40 million dead charge in 2023. That is an obscene amount of money to not want to have a player on your roster. But that's why I say, like, there's got to be a number where these, these contracts for the quarterback can't keep going up. <laughs> I mean, eventually, you, you, know, you get to the point where, like, how am I going to put a roster together if you're making $70 million? Yeah. I, you know, like, you, can we keep seeing these numbers? Oh, well, 40, 40. Like it might, there might be a ceiling on how much a quarter. I know the cap goes up every year, but you can't keep going up at at, at rates. That, it's like inflation, right? You can't keep going up at a rate that far exceeds what the cap is going up by. At some point, I would think you're right. Though I, I will tell you, in a in a smaller story, did you see what the Kansas City Chiefs have done the last couple of days? They waived Frank, Frank Clark, Clark gone, and they didn't tag Orlando Brown right. Jr. Right, and the reason why Mahomes, Mahomes, he's taken up all the money, and yet they figured out a way—at least they think they have—to keep winning in Kansas City without paying big money contracts to Tyree Kill a year ago, Frank Clark this year, Orlando Brown. It can be done. Your, last Eventually, year they did it, it with does. a wide receiver, but when you start doing it with key defensive players and I, offensive linemen, that's different than okay, we let. Tyreek Hill go. Perhaps, but they are really giving themselves a lot of credit in Kansas City for their ability to draft well, to be able to replace those players with uh, options that aren't as expensive, and that's a big belief why people think Kansas City let those guys go. Like, hey, we you know we won it last year. We let Tyreek Hill go. We kind of know what we're doing around here with the draft and finding guys like Juju and things like that. Let's see if they can do it again. Um, the Rodgers thing is he's going to be a Jet. I mean, there's and Jordan Love's going to be the starter in Green Bay. So that fifty-eight point three million option bonus, the Jets would have to pay that if they trade for Rodgers. Oh, yeah. They may want the Packers to cover some of that. That could be part of the negotiation: is get the Packers to cover some of that money. Boy, and you said it earlier, Zach Wilson, the number two pick overall in the draft. What? It's it's yeah. It's just it's like the Cardinals taking Josh Rosen at number 10. It's like, yeah, okay, oops, wrong guy, our I, mistake, our bad, let's I fix know, it. You kind of feel like, you know, Wilson was a high, like Josh, how many quarterbacks would take him before Josh Rosen? Like four? Was it three? Three. And then Lamar was after him. Yeah, three. Three. It's still hard to believe that Lamar and Josh Rosen are in the same draft class. And then finally, um, Daniel Jones. He got paid today from the New York Giants. Four years, $160 million, $92 million guaranteed. Um, and then it allowed the Giants to then immediately, right before the deadline, put the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley. For $10 million bucks. For $10 million bucks. Six players got tagged when it was all said and done. Three were running backs. Josh Jacobs from the Raiders. Tony Pollard from the Cowboys and Saquon Barkley from the Giants. Now, Saquon Barkley's only 26 years old. You could play this, you can't play this tag game forever, right? You could do it for two years. Yes. And, uh, but then after that, Carlos Dansby was the guy for the Cardinals that played it perfectly. Remember, he got two franchise tags and then he signed with Miami for a whole lot of money. He had no problem with it. No. He was more than, he was more than oh, happy. It worked out great. It. Yeah, it all worked out. It all worked out great for him. Daniel Jones got what he wanted. The Giants, you know, paid to keep their, if, if, if you're, if you're a New York football fan and you're going to bed tonight knowing that Daniel Jones got $160 million and Aaron Rodgers might be the next quarterback of the Jets, right? It's just, what a day. What a day if you're a New York football fan to have and to the be Knicks dealing have with won all nine, And the Knicks have won nine straight. Knicks are playing great. Nine straight wins. And Mikel Bridges is still killing it. Killing it. For Brooklyn. He had 33 the other night. He's averaged like 30 points per game and since the trade. Nobody there has even noticed. Yeah, no, that's because it's Brooklyn. Yeah. 